Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC, John Coleman. Dio was popping. Yo, you know what's popping. Fired up. I am fired up. Fired up up. on a Friday. Fired up on a Friday. My UCF Knights. Go Knights. Formerly the UCF Golden Knights. Oh, now they're just the Knights? Uh, For a while now, John. Like, new logo. Marketing. We need a corporate rebrand. We need a more edgy approach. We dumped... We dumped trashy Adidas. We jumped on the Nike train. Yeah. You know, that all happened when your boy, Michael Jordan's son, came to UCF to play basketball. Yeah. All of a sudden, Daddy steps in and is like, yeah, yeah, my kids can't wear anything but Nike. Yeah. Yeah. That happens. Yeah. I wish it was like, you know, more modern day because then we would have been like Jumpman. There you go. But right now we're Nike. It's a Nike school. But yeah, no, UCF, our Knights are Big 12 official. Yeah. Big 12, yeah, started from the bottom, now we're here, almost, almost, (laughs) not quite, but hey, do you know how to eat an elephant, John? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. So yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, you can't just wake up one day and be an SEC powerhouse like Alabama. That's true. You can't just be. I remember when I was at Tampa, USF was undefeated and had Matt Grothy at quarterback, and they were the number one ranked team for like 16 minutes. Do you remember that? I remember that game so well that I was in a section of UCF students. And they were chanting, Grothy has herpes. Oh, no. Yeah. No. Yes. Damn. It was funny as all get out. Now, that has transpired to just recently the new AD, uh, Terry Mujahar. I okay. believe that's how you pronounce UCF's new AD's last name. Uh, had to do a uh, like an IG video TikTok mm-hmm. thing where he was basically asking the UCF student section, don't. quit dropping the F-bomb. Like, we have some really nice people from – the state of Idaho that were visiting our campus there to cheer on their team. Right. And uh, I can't remember. I mean, I was at the game, but the the UCF student section, which is one of the best student sections, in my opinion, in the country. Oh, I am wow. a homer. Wow. I am a homer. That is bold. Uh, and they were they were chanting something and dropping the F-bomb. And, um, yeah, that's probably not appropriate. Nor was it probably whatever year you're talking about that Matt USF the, thought they were good whoa, with Matt Grothy. That was the undefeated and, uh, year. They had to redo the polls. ESPN was so mad. Every week they kept winning, and they were just like, why are we talking about this team? Can they just lose? And eventually they did. Why are we talking about USF when they're so irrelevant, but UCF? is in the Big 12. I don't, is you, what is UCF in? What is USF in? Big something? What well, no, they're both in the AAC, the American Athletic Conference, together. AAC. Which was formerly the Big East, which is now defunct. Get away from Right, out. but at one time, like UCF was in Conference USA. Conf- they wanted to get into the Big East, <laughs> and USF was like, uh-uh, we're not letting you in. Uh-uh, we're not letting you in. Well, they finally got in. Mm-hmm. And now, karma... It's a bitch, and USF is going to be still in the AAC. They still can't win football games, and UCF is stepping up to the plate. They're going one, one, one further, one, one rung further up. There you go. And uh, I think their athletic budget's going to triple. What? Yeah. So uh, if they already were a menace on the recruiting trails. Imagine what happens now when they have three times the amount of money to dump into facilities. You're starting out there at Pop Warner. You're going to get your son's Pop Warner game when he's three years old. What's that? You're going to be showing up at Pop Warner games starting to recruit your son at three years old. That's what's going to happen. Uh, they do not allow three-year-olds to play a Pop Warner, but six-year-olds. And that's a whole other show because that may be too young for tackle Speaking football. Speaking of today's what show. The f- what are we going to talk about, John? Yeah, well, you and I got on this tangent yes. of, of uh, UCF because today is a big announcement. We talked about it being Friday. Yep. Yes, it's Friday. Yep. Um, what's been on your mind? Let's talk about dude. what's been on your mind because you came in a little bit riled up. You know, what's, what's been going on in your head? 
There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. You know, we once did an episode, and I think we titled it Pulpourri. Correct. Because we're like, we sat down, we started recording, mm-hmm. we started ch- talking. It's one of our actually better, highly rated episodes. Correct. And we didn't have a theme. Nope. It was almost like it was a talk radio show format. Mm-hmm. Let's do that again. Let's do it. Because there's a, t- a ton of different things we can touch on, but I don't know if they're like ready for a full segment. Correct. And we can also do fun things like looping in uh, UCF football. Okay. Actually, I said be more than UCF football, be UCF new conference, conference alignment. But right. we're done with that. Okay. I do want to know about this. Why? Why? How do you pick the centerpieces for our shows? Rand, the universe tells me to pick it out. So you just walk in, close your eyes, spin around three times, and whatever you whatever you you focus yeah, yeah. on first. Basically, and I think like, all right, how often have we had this centerpiece on here? I don't want to use it too heftily. It's 2016, mm-hmm. and this was from the Oviedo Pop Warner. Yep. So this is a charity golf event to Let's, raise money for the local Pop Warner organization. Let's go. It's a golf trophy where we cheated, not the best. We we're the second best at cheating, whatever team I was a part of. And we uh, we got second place. There you go. So that's a second place trophy. Okay. At a uh, golf scramble for a Pop Warner for, for, for a football. for a local Pop Warner. Only, yes. Only in Florida. All right. So I'll just do this. I'll just start asking you stuff, and then you'll just have to answer it. Let me ask you this. Okay. You and I are talking about looking at trophies. Yes. Obviously, because this format is one in which it's video and audio. Yes. Not everyone knows that. Some people just listen to us. Yes. They listen to us because they listen. They tune in on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Play, or really anywhere that you can find podcasts. Mm-hmm. But others like to watch us mm-hmm. and listen to us. Mm-hmm. They do that on YouTube, our YouTube channel, which is at The Lone Officer Podcast. If you're tuning in for the first time, please know, A, this format's not our normal format, um, but we do appreciate that you have tuned in. We hope you like what we're doing. And please subscribe, please share, please comment, please like. And if you would like to, please follow us on all of our social media platforms, which is Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and TikTok at The Lone Officer Podcast. If you ever want to connect with me, Dustin Owen, I am on LinkedIn as Dustin Owen, and he is on Google as John Coleman. There you go. Whew. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Where do you want to start? Where do you want to go? I want to start with dealing with difficult borrowers and dealing with difficult people because that's all I seem to do with every time I leave my house. I don't have an answer for that one, John. Like, how do you deal with difficult people? Take a deep breath and a step back. Um, Maybe you plant yourself as the subject matter expert. You have to find a way to let them know that, hey, I care, show empathy, but at the same time, I know what I'm talking about and I need you to listen to me. Mm -hmm. That would be my advice to anyone who's dealing with a difficult person. Difficult person. Or ask yourself, is this person worth their difficulty? Maybe they're not. Maybe at some point you have to find a way to perfection and politely tell that person, hey, look, it look, it sounds like I'm not going to be the best fit for serving your needs. I would love nothing more but to help you find a person or a company that would be best at suiting your needs. I don't I don't know what it is. You may be mad at the Sears guy, <laughs> right? And and I may be mad at Southwest, at which point those scripts don't don't count. So you say difficult people, that's that's a pretty so wide like, let's say you've worked a long time to get this borrower. You want a borrower, you've done all your diligence, you've done the follow-up calls, you've reached out and the borrower's like, all right, I'm gonna use you for my home loan. But once you get into the process, once you start gathering documents and realizing you travel down this road, it's a little bit more difficult than you thought they're a little bit harder to communicate with they don't follow up on time but you've already built the relationship and you necessarily don't want to punt it um do you have any like tips or tricks to like how to salvage a relationship without just completely punting the loan yes i would um spend the 25 minutes that's going to take to 
uh, conduct or to, to write an email mm -hmm. where I had definitive deadlines that I needed certain documents done by, I would underneath each one of those tabs tell them why I need it. I'd be specific. I'd off. I'd also throw in there if X, then Y, right? If this document comes over and it shows insufficient funds, then I will need an updated statement. If this document comes over and the income doesn't match the income we're using to qualify you, we'll need additional documents. At the end of the day, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to set proper expectations at all times and all phases of my sales cycle, you're talking about loan originators if you're using the word borrower, but this applies to just about any industry, especially one that is a financial services or a sales industry. So I'd wanna set proper expectations up front. I'd want to give clear examples of what it is that I need, explain why I need it, and then throw it out there that, hey, if for whatever reason what I ask for isn't what comes back, there's a chance I'll need some follow-up documentation. All I'm trying to do is give my chance an opportunity, give myself the opportunity to say, "Hey, John, you remember when? You right. remember when I said X? Right. You remember when I when when I told you that if Y came in, I would need Z? Mm -hmm. Well, that moment is happening. <laughs> I do it in writing, and I do it verbally, so that I have C Y D. I just covered my ass. Mm -hmm. right? I I have done my part. I never want to leave myself open that someone someone else can come back and say that's not what you said. That's not what I heard." Because if I can't defend myself, then that's on me, not on them, right? right? Jocko's book, Extreme Ownership, talks about that. Like, no, it's my problem. Mm -hmm. It's my problem that you didn't follow my direction because obviously I, A, wasn't clear enough with my communication, and B, my expectations weren't set properly. I didn't give good enough instructions or details. And if I didn't write it down and there's no proof of it, then we get into he said, she said. Right. Never want to do that. That's why I write stuff down. Right. I will send you the email, then I'll call you. Hey, John, I just sent you an email. Please review it and call me with questions. Or if you'd like, I can schedule a time we can review it together. Right. But that email is going to be very specific, and it's going to be detailed. Nice. Like, that's how I, like, in, in your situation, yeah. that's exactly what I would do to prevent miscommunication. Because normally everything comes, comes down to communication. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was something that was so interesting when we interviewed Barry Habib on the show just like a week or two ago. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to lob Barry a question of like, what do you wish right. was taught to you growing up? Right. And I'm usually thinking, oh man, I wish my parents taught to talk me the value of investing in compound interest or not going in debt or becoming a homeowner or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. And his was communication. Yeah. Like that was his answer. I'm like, yeah. what? Oh, yeah. Like your parents didn't communicate to you and he wasn't talking about his parents, he was talking about his teachers. Yeah. Well, all of us are teachers. Mm -hmm. At some point, you work with loan officers on creating video content to post on their social media or to, to, to solicit their database. Correct. You have to be able to coach and teach them. Yeah. Right? You have a bunch of knowledge, you're a subject matter expert in what you do, mm -hmm. so that makes you a teacher. Mm -hmm. But if you're a piss poor communicator, then it doesn't matter how good you are at what you do if you cannot instruct the person that you're partnering with or you that you're collaborating with. Right. Our clients, we are collaborating with, mm -hmm. right? It takes both of us working in unison to get to the end goal. I can't drag you, yeah. my client, along with me when some of the stuff that that I need to do my job I can only get from you. Yeah, right. It's a two-way street. If my home is being remodeled, but I'm never home to let the contractor in. <laughs> Is it the contractor's fault that we don't get uh, the job done on time? Mm, no. no. But 
if I'm the contractor, did I set proper expectations? Did I let that homeowner know, hey, I need you home by this date for this many hours. And then if you're not going to be home, can you have a neighbor let me in? If we're not going to be home, would you trust me to to have your garage code and come in? Right? Like, Mm -hmm. That, that's that's how life works. It usually comes down to piss poor communication. Barry Habib said he wishes his teachers did a better job of explaining the why. Yeah. Hey, hey, Barry, you're gonna take algebra too. Well, why? Yeah. Look, you may not become an engineer. You may never need this math ever in your life, <laughs> and that's okay. But you're doing this class because it is structuring or shaping your brain to think in a critical manner. You don't know this yet because your brain's not fully developed if you're in high school. Um, These skills that you are learning, you will apply later in life. It may be in parenting. It may be in in a a tech startup company that that you're funding. It could be in a job interview. But it's not going to be Algebra 2, but it's going to be the critical thinking skills that you picked up in Algebra 2. He wishes he had that. We as business professionals need to become better communicators. And if you're not a good communicator, it's probably because you don't work on it. Okay, find a way to work on it. Like, I know how I'm going to work on it. Shout out to Renee Rodriguez all over again. Like, you know, see Renee speak. Dot com, I believe it is. I want to take one of Renee Rodriguez's course, like courses. I want to read books. I want to um, do TED Talks. Not well, Actually, would I ever want to do a TED Talk? Probably not. But what I do on probably, I could probably be coaxed in almost anything. Sure, why not? Yeah, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. Um, three months later, all this preparation and <laughs> stress. This, yeah. Three grand on a brand new suit. <laughs> uh-huh. Telling my wife I'm yet flying out of town again, again. for work. Yeah, right. Yes. Sure. But uh, but no, watch a TED Talk. Mm-hmm. Read a book. Become a good communicator. Right. All right. Okay, I got another, what else? One. I got another <laughs> one for you. Um, you like this, don't you? Yes, I do because I can. That's good. It's organic. Uh, for younger loan officers that are getting into the business, um, they're very eager. But for those like, h- how do they get respect? Hey, I'm a newer loan officer. I'm working around, but it doesn't seem people are giving me the respect uh, I deserve or want because I'm new. I'm I'm trying to cut my teeth. I'm doing everything right. I'm hustling. I'm grinding. But my NMLS number is hella long, and people don't respect me for it. Well, I would first start with respect is earned. It's never given. Um, I think human interaction, a certain amount of trust should just be given, right? A basic level of, of, of respect. Did I say trust? Mm-hmm. I meant respect. Yeah. A basic level of, of respect should just be given like one human to another, but as, uh, the higher level respect, I think that is earned. Mm-hmm. And so I think your real question is how do I go ahead and earn the respect that I, that I, that I want and that I need some of it, you're just going to get by sticking around long enough. Yeah. But I mean, it's 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 the truth, especially like in a profession that, um, whether it's loan origination or my buddy Andrew who who sells IT training, it's still a sales job that's primarily commissioned. Recruiting, primarily commissioned sales job. Medical sales reps. There's all these different sales jobs. Car sales. Sometimes those people within those offices won't even talk to the new person until they've been around for six, nine, or twelve months <laughs> because they see so many so many come and go. Right. So. At a certain point, look, you have to earn it, and you earn it by just being available and being around and sticking it out the first one, two, or even three years. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you have to set yourself apart. So what can you do right now that others aren't doing? Well, if I'm a young loan originator, you know what? I can make myself available nights and weekends where maybe some of the more old-school vets are no longer doing that. If I'm a loan originator younger in my career, maybe I can go door knocking with the realtor 
because door knocking is effective, but it's not fun. And it's a way for realtors to go out and drum up business, whether it's buyers or sellers. So if I could just go be their companion, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's, it's more fun and it's safer doing things in twos versus ones. Right. Maybe I volunteer to do that. Maybe the realtor that I'm having a meeting with or the builder that I'm having a meeting with, they have just a laundry list, an Excel spreadsheet that is like, you know, hundreds of names long of people who have shown interest in buying or selling homes in the past 90 days or nine months. And they just haven't done a good enough job of staying in front of those people. And I tell them, look, I'll do that. I'll do that for you. I'll give those people a call. I'll introduce myself as a lender with XYZ Mortgage Company and let them know that I, I partner with you and that we're curious collectively. Have you bought or sold the home that you were looking to buy or sell? Right? That's something that I could do. And eventually, people are going to start seeing me. They're going to start hearing me. I'm going to bring them things of value. My respect level is going to go up. Right? You saw me and you met me three months ago and you could smell that I was new. <laughs> yeah. You just could. Yeah. But by March of next year, when you see me again, oh, you're still around? Yeah. Right? And I'm with the same company? That's a huge one. I'm with the same company. Okay, you're not jumping around. Like, you're serious about this. I'm like, yes, I'm serious about this. I think the last thing you do is what experience do you give their clients that other people aren't? How could you give their clients a different experience? Now, early on, if you don't know shit from Shinola, <laughs> the only experience you might be is like, hey, I meet everyone of your clients in person, assuming they want to. Right. Assuming they want to. Or I do this elaborate Zoom meeting where I allow them to order something from Grubhub mm -hmm. and we do it over lunch together, right? Like you can get creative to just make the client experience um, one notch or two notches above what they would have received from their bank, the online lender, or the other top producers in your market. Mm -hmm. Eventually that experience needs to be with your intellect, right? Like I don't pre-approve home buyers. I don't. I do a home buyer consultation. It's a big difference. Like you talk to me, we're gonna talk about comfort monthly payment. We're gonna talk about how much money you have allocated for closing, how long you're gonna be in the home for, uh, your family. We're gonna talk about your family, your exit strategy. Exit strategy is like, hey, at what age do you wanna retire? And are you on, on pace to do that? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some, some nuggets about your credit. I'm gonna give you some knowledge regarding saving for retirement. Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm gonna speak from a person of experience when I do so. And I, that comes across to my clients. So the, the realtors and builders who used to refer me, they referred me because they knew that my ex, the experience their client got with me was way different. Mm -hmm. That was why I was respected. Mm -hmm. That's how I set myself apart. Nice. Okay, what else? Okay. Uh, Let's for, do this all day. Can we do every episode this way, John? Uh, hopefully, maybe not. M yes, one day we can. One day we'll just come in there and just hit record yeah, and say anything. Yeah, yes, we can. But honestly, like foreshadowing a little bit, like I'm pretty excited. We're having Tony Thompson on the show in a few weeks. Yes. Yeah, I mean, Tony is the founder, president, CEO of, of NAMBA. Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to really dive deep into to what NAMBA is, what they're doing. Uh, it's a lot of good stuff with diversity and inclusion. Okay. Remember we had Brian Young with Home Lending Pal Shout on like Brian a year Young. ago? Yeah. Dude, they're crushing it. Yeah. They're crushing it. They're raising even millions of more dollars. They're getting mad love from like companies like IBM and oh, – oh. Oh, yeah, they've had some NFL players invest in them. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, he's on social media, and he's like, hey, look, I'm going to be the first black unicorn in fintech. 
I'm like, hell yes, brother, you should be. That's awesome. High five, and how can we help you get there? Yeah. So Brian's going to be out in uh, San Diego at the same time we're in okay, San Diego. Nice, so yeah. I'm hoping we can uh, we can hook up with him again. Yeah. But if not, he lives right down the road. Yeah. I'm thinking about having Brian back on the show. Okay. Right? Maybe we can we can tie into a little bit of what we talked about with Tony on that. Mm-hmm. Had a listener reach out to us, and the listener's like, hey, look, I want some more top-producing, badass yeah. lady originators. Oh. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, I know Kayla up in Jacksonville. Kayla's on on uh, on, on on point. She is on point, <laughs> but she is on pace to close well over forty million dollars this year in business, of which it's primarily purchased and primarily realtor focused. Hmm. Kayla's this is her second full year in the business. Last year was her first full year. Yeah. I think she's been in for like maybe around thirty months, so not quite three years. Right. And then um, I'm friends with this lady named Yvette Claremont. Now, she's been in the business for like 20-plus years or 20-ish years. But, hey, she funds $120 million Damn. a year. Yeah, so I've been in dialogue with, with Yvette trying to get her on the show. Now, unfortunately, um, Yvette lives about three hours away from us. Mm-hmm. but her And that's south of us. Right. Her son goes to school about two hours north of us. So she's like, well, I drive through Orlando yeah. like like every, every couple months. I'm yeah. like, sweet, let's do it around... You know, let, let's let's plan a a, a trip yeah, where you can stop here for an hour, and and we're trying to do that as well. So we can't do this format all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you know, had someone hit us up. Uh, the folks over at Blend, we're trying to get them on the show. Yep. Blend's a fantastic software that originators and banks should be using, or at least looking into using. And um, what a guy who represents like some national credit union association. He's like, Hey, we'd like to come on your show and talk about what it's like to become a loan officer or a bank, a a lender at a credit union. That's great. I'm like, yeah, I think our audience would like that. I think so. Yeah. So the one rule is, are you going to be in Orlando? Yeah. And something I've been thinking more about, like for our listeners, you guys want to come on the show? Look, we can't let everyone on the show, <laughs> right? We can't let, we cannot let everyone on the show. And I'm not going to open Pandora's box. You already did, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> but if you think you're really interesting, mm-hmm. you think that your story is one that others will get value from hearing about mm-hmm. your struggles. Yeah. yeah. Hit us up. Let's yeah. talk about it. The only, the rule is we are at 2699 Lee Road yeah. in Winter Park, Florida. This is where we do the bulk of our recording. We do some on on, on location, Mm -hmm. usually when we're at industry functions. Mm -hmm. And John and I, this will be our third industry function that we've attended, or fourth when we go to San Diego. I think it's going to be our fourth. It'll be our fourth. I can see us probably doubling that next year and probably even doubling that the year after. I can see us being close to going to one industry function per month by 2023, and maybe we do eight next year. Let's go. Yeah. Um, let's go. Let's do this. So if you're going to be at one of the industry events that we're yeah. going to be at, by all means, yeah. have camera, have mics, we'll travel. Yeah. Sometimes the hotels don't really like where we set up. We yeah. had that happen. Yeah. We we set up in the lobby at one hotel. They loved it. Mm-hmm. Set up in the lobby of, of another hotel. They were cool with it. Yep. Third hotel, uh, not no, so much. No, yes. But they were hella, hella accommodating. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So we we definitely appreciate mm. that. I'm sure Barry Hyde pulled some strings for that. Yeah, you know. um, what else? Like... Go ahead. Well, no, one thing I was going to share with you. Okay. So it's really awesome. Okay. So about three years ago, I started, um, I signed up to be a mentor out at the College of Business for UCF. So mm-hmm. typically they're college juniors, college seniors in the College of Business, and they're going through a mentorship program. Okay. So we come in as alumni, typically alumni, alumnus, okay. anyhow. We roll in, 
And uh, we, uh, it's about 30 of us. There's about 150 of them. And we do like a speed dating where we sit down at a table like this. Okay. And we're given seven uh, minutes. That's cool. And people run through round robin. Yeah. Last year kind of sucked because it was COVID. So we didn't really get that opportunity. Mm -hmm. But years prior, that's what we did. And we did this last night. I love it because I love meeting people. Right. I loved it this year because the students know a little bit of something about you. Right, coming in. Mm -hmm. So they know, hey, this guy runs a mortgage company and and uh, yeah, he dabbles in real estate development and real estate investment, but they also have a podcast. Oh, okay. And the number of questions I got about the podcast. Really? Oh my God. And I'm able to tell them, like, look, it's our passion project. It's our hobby. We try to make it fun. We try to keep make it inter uh, um, well, entertaining, but also insightful mm -hmm. and, and, and educational. But I'm like, it's honestly geared for you guys, 18 to 35 year olds. And mm -hmm. really it's like 18 to 49 year olds. Right. But uh, I told them 35 because I wanted them to think it's a little bit cooler yeah. and hipper than what it really is. Right. But when I'm at that thing, I, I love it because I'm meeting the future leaders of, of all industries. Mm -hmm. Some will go into real estate. Some will go into banking. Two of them that met with me want to go into HR. Hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I can actually talk to you about HR because de facto, I'm my group's mm -hmm. local HR, HR manager. Right. I mean, we have eight branches. We have 100 associates. Someone got to wrangle the kittens. Yes. Now, I have a phenomenal VP of HR that yeah. I collaborate with, right. and she has her team, but it still has to go through my desk to get there first. So I even told that young lady, I'm like, hey, look, I don't know how they're going to match this because, like, just because seven people came and sat down with me doesn't mean I get to mentor seven. Right. You know, I get to mentor one or two. The mentees get to choose who they want. The, the college is going to try to match the best that they can. Mm -hmm. But, man, there's this one kid. Okay. I came home. I couldn't wait to tell my wife and kids about him. About this kid you met? Yeah, yeah. Like, I legit told him, I said, look, I don't know if we're going to get matched, and I don't care. I'm like, I want to mentor you. I want to be a resource for you. If you want it, I'm here. Does he even know that he has talent? Um... I'm, you know, it's interesting. I don't know. So one of the, is, he's I, like, is he sitting behind a three-point line just draining shots? And he's like, hey, kid, you got talent. You're like, oh, who, me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like right? one of those situations. Let, let's think about this. Parents, which, <clears throat> again, you're not one. Thank God. People are tuned in. They probably are. <laughs> Could you imagine uh, the kid I'm thinking about? He, he's an immigrant. Mm -hmm. And uh, in 2012, when he was 10 years old, his brother was 15 years old. His parents sold everything that they owned that had value mm -hmm. and sent he and his brother to the United States of America. Okay. Like, think about that. For those of us that were born here, that are natural-born citizens, okay, this family did this for their 10- and their 15-year-old. They didn't come with them. They, they didn't have the, the, the proper documentation to do so. The boys did, mm -hmm. but the parents didn't. And those boys lived with the complete strangers. By the way, the boys didn't speak English. It was not their first language. English was not their first language, nor was Spanish. Now, they went to a household where both English and Spanish were, mm -hmm. were spoken. So I jokingly said, I go, oh, my God, how confusing was it for you? You came over speaking French, and the household that you live in right, is, speaking. is speaking English and Spanish, two languages you don't know. He's like, yeah. I go, how's your Spanish? Right. First question I ask anybody anymore. And he's like, ah, I can understand. He's like, I can't really speak it. Right. All right, but he's 10 Parents, you want to talk about love for your children? That is heart-wrenching mm. to put your, your children on an airplane and send them to a foreign country. Whether that foreign country is, is a two-hour flight away or 12-hour flight away, it's still a foreign country to live with strangers. Mm -hmm. And those strangers, um, they charged rent. The program that, that their children were a part of, it you had to pay for your own housing. And it was 400 mm. bucks a month, so his 15-year-old brother 
worked at McDonald's while going to high school and learning English, and he could pay the four, the the four hundred bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to today, mm-hmm. so the kid's now a young adult. He's twenty two years old. He's looking to graduate college this December okay. with no student loan debt. Now, because of his situation, he couldn't apply for for grants. He couldn't apply for most scholarships because there's a certain document that you have to uh, uh, fill out mm-hmm. in order to to apply for this. And that document will require your parents' information. Most parents don't live in the United States. They're not even citizens. Mm-hmm. They've only visited once when he was 16. They came over. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if you don't have parents, then you should have a foster system. Mm-hmm. But he's not in the foster system either. Okay. So he, he couldn't. He, he couldn't even apply <clears throat> for, for grants or most scholarships because he hasn't completed the, the proper paperwork. Okay. But he found a way. He found a way to work, go to the, the, the local community college, which mm-hmm. I think they now call, like, whatever county it is, state. Some, yeah, some yep. state. Yep, Broward State, yeah. whatever the, the case may be. Obtained his AA. During that time, found a scholarship for people who are just like him. And it's under the DACA program. And that allowed him to come to UCF and to work while also going to school. This guy has done this mentorship program. It's going to be his fourth time. Okay. Most do it once. It's because they're getting college credit to right. do so. One or it's an assignment that they have to do. Yeah. He's done it four different times. On his own accord. On his own accord. He will graduate in December with no student loan debt. He hasn't seen his parents since he was 16. What? They can't afford it. They can't afford to come see him, and he can't afford to leave the United States to go back to to the, the his country of origin. Mm-hmm. Like, someone like that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I don't know what got me on that tangent. No, you, Besides you, the story, like, like if you ever, like, I shared that mm-hmm. for inspiration. If anyone thinks they have it bad. Yeah. Like, and by the way, he was calm as can be when we talked about it. He wasn't bragging. He wasn't giving a presentation. It was he and I one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And the conversation all started because they had a reception after the speed dating round. And during speed dating, he told me, hey, I want to buy my first property. I have some questions regarding uh, down payment assistance and first-time homebuyer loans. And I was like, hey, we're speed dating. I don't have time to do a a prequal for you. But here's my card. Call me. I spent all the time in the world for you. He came in and he walked by me and I grabbed him during the reception. And during the reception, like, mentees aren't really supposed to, like, be with mentors. Yeah. The reception is more for all of us mentors to get to network. Right. Um, but I grabbed him. He's like, you don't mind? I go, no, nah, man, this, the guy I was sitting with was, like, <laughs> blow, blow hard. Yeah. I'm like, no, you actually do me a favor. Yeah. And it was during that time mm-hmm. that I started asking him questions and learning his story. And he answered it as, as calm as you are looking at me as as calm as he was. Yeah. It wasn't like I went and listened to this motivational speaker. Right, right, like, right. oh, let me tell you about my story. No. Nah. It was just all matter of the fact. And I'm looking at the whole time. I'm like, do you not know how special you are? Like, mm-hmm. we have so many freaking privileged people in, in, in this world. Like, I thought I was like, oh, woe is me. My family couldn't afford vacations. Right. You know, now I know I'm privileged because I grew up in a household where both my parents worked. We didn't deal with, with, with drug addiction. My parents loved each other. They loved my sister and I. Um, they provided, like, right. we had a great household. Right. But I was always jealous of the kids whose parents, like, made more money and they used that money to go on family vacations. Right. Right. So, and I know I'm more privileged than my, than my friends who grew up with, you know, a single mom or a single dad. Mm-hmm. But this guy, I, I don't know many people who at 10 were 
ripped from their parents. Mm -hmm. Their parents loved them so much, they shipped them off to live with strangers, sold everything that they had. Yeah. He persevered, mm -hmm. right? It wasn't like he was on this government. No, no, he, they had to pay yeah. to live at that house. Now, yes, he got to go to the public school, but he couldn't just get grants. He couldn't apply for, for, for certain student loans. Right. He can't apply for scholarships because he can't fill out the proper doc documents. That's, but he found a particular scholarship through that program. Mm -hmm. Now, he also found um, some scholarship money and some direction from groups like uh, 100 Black Men, which is a phenomenal organization. But it's just like, yeah, and you've done what with it? And by the way, where he's interning right now, he has a badass internship. Hmm. Like, badass internship. Like, I'm jealous of his internship. Oh, yeah. So anyone listening to that much, I don't even know why I'm talking about that. Besides, he impressed me that much mm -hmm. to where I'm like, I kind of hope we don't get matched so that I can mentor him right. outside of the program. Right. But I really hope we get matched so that I can mentor him. Nice. Just a cool kid. All right, what else did you have in your docket? <clears throat> well, leadership. So uh, what advice do you have for younger leaders? Let's say they were, they were a loan officer by themselves, obviously sourcing all the business by themselves, but they've grown to where they have a team now and they are transitioning into becoming a leader, but they've never been a leader. Besides like recommending a book, what like experiences can you uh, give from your own experiences, I guess? Well, let's talk about this. The minute other people start looking up to you, you're a leader. Period, end of story. Like you don't have to have a team, they don't have to work for you. But if you're a person of influence within your company, within your office, within your branch, you're a leader and no one teaches nor studies leadership at the level that they should, in my opinion. Um, if you're actually going to go as far as, as do enough production in whatever your field of industry is, that requires you to have a um, support person. You have to understand there's a huge difference between being a boss and being a leader. No one really likes a boss. Now, some people need a boss straight up. All day. They, they do. Yeah, Look, they do. If, 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 you, if, if you are or you have an associate that's a part of your team that looks up to you or rolls underneath you in an organizational chart, and that person consistently works inconsistent, they're consistently average to below average, yeah, they've earned getting a boss. <laughs> yeah. They've earned it. Like, you need a boss. You need someone to hold you accountable, to slap your wrist when you don't do something right. Because at that point, I need to either manage you up or manage you out. I want to manage you up and then become your leader, but I can't lead when you don't allow me to lead. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing to know. Like, I will teach, look, people don't want a boss. They want a leader. But sometimes people need a boss if their actions require it. But ultimately, you want to be a leader, but you don't know how to. It's going to take like anything in life. It takes a whole lot of doing, a whole lot of getting it wrong, mm -hmm. but a whole lot of understanding that you don't know what you're doing and that's okay, but you're going to work every day at getting 1% better at that, at leadership, taking courses, watching videos, introspectively figuring out what you can do better. How about this? Leaders, when was the last time you asked your team to give you an annual review? It doesn't work that way. I don't top-down philosophy. I don't. No, nope, doesn't yeah. go that way. Some people manage that way. Some people don't. And is there a happy medium? I would say yes. Maybe you don't want a formal review, but wouldn't you like to know how you're doing? And then does your team feel comfortable enough to be open and honest with you? No, and no, yeah, I mean, yeah, right. right. But I mean, that's that's very hard to do. I mean, right. we we as associates are given um, our you know our self review. Mm -hmm. 
And it's amazing. You get a self-review back, and people are like, five, 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 out of ten. I'm like, what, you're perfect? What? Yeah, like, how come you're not running this joint then if you're so good? (laughs) I mean, you know, none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. But um, the advice I would give is, A, you have to lead people how they want to be led. You have to know what their value is and what, what are their opportunities outside of you. Why do they work for you? Sit down and ask yourself, why does this person work for me? What would I do to make them want to work harder for me? What would I do to make them never want to work for me again? Right? So, like, if I have someone who's coming to work for me and I'm giving them an opportunity of a lifetime that I understand that seven other people would give their right arm for this opportunity, I can lead them a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a Nick Saban, Bill Belichick approach with that person. Because I know the minute you don't want it, I got six other people, three of them that may be better than you, mm-hmm. who do. Yeah. You'll give me that opportunity to go find someone better. And I'm not concerned about not being able to find someone better. Mm-hmm. Now, if the opportunity is solely to work on a great team with, with good culture and have good work-life balance, you have to be able to recognize that and ask yourself, are you managing this person to those expectations of, hey, I love working here. I love being a part of your team as long as you don't yell at me, cuss at uh, me, throw things at me, micromanage me, yeah. right? And it's it's like, well, the big question I would have is, does that person have an opportunity to go work elsewhere, even if it's with, within my organization? Yeah. Like if I'm a loan officer and I'm dogging out my processor, well, that processor, especially if they're worth right. what, they, what, what they think they're worth, Cause they can go to their processing manager and say, look, I ain't working on so-and-so's files. Never again. No. Nah. And if they're that good, I'm going to uh, promise you this. Oh, we'll find a place for you. Yep. Hey, you know what? We we, we can make some, some corrective changes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if the manager says, well, it's either that or you're looking for a new job, well, you know where you stand. Yeah, yep, exactly. You know where, where you stand, and you can make that decision, mm-hmm. right? So I think as a, as a person of influence within your organization, whether your title says manager on it or not, mm-hmm. you have to understand, like, what is this person's career trajectory? How much of it relies on you? Mm-hmm. And if if they weren't working with you, could they go elsewhere and get the same or a better opportunity? Yeah. Think you have to lead accordingly, and you have to lead people the way that they want to. You can't be jamming square pegs into round holes. I can't make you want something as bad as I do, but I can ask you what do you want, and then I can lead you in that direction. I can ask you how much accountability do you expect out of me, right? We can talk about those proper expectations and being on the same page, but also understand we're going to make mistakes. You know, the way that I led and managed at 32 is way different than 42. I look at my 32 year old self and I'm like, oh my god. Um, but that's life. I look at my 16 year old self and I'm like, Jesus, yeah, right. yeah, I don't, I don't notice that until I walk through like the high school football games yeah. and I look at these kids and one part of it, like makes my heart smile and get warm, right. right? Like nostalgia. And then my other parts like, damn, I was once like them. Right. Right. And that's, I think that's life. Right. So I think he's had to consistently be looking for improvement. Nice. All right. Last question. I'll How end much time on do we have? This, this is it? That's the last question. You always go around asking people, uh, one of the main themes of this show is everything you should have learned in high school but didn't. Um, What would you, Dustin Owen, today tell your loan officer self on day one? Let's say you went back to Dustin Owen, day one in the mortgage industry. What would be the one piece of advice you would give your former self coming into the industry? 
knowing everything you know now? Database and lead follow-up. Really? I think so. Database and lead follow-up. Database and lead follow-up. Um, He or she that controls the leads wins. Right. Right? I mean, it's a lead generation game. But I worked so hard to get the leads. I didn't learn how to database market until I was like year three or year four in the business. Hmm. Right? When when the first refi, the Harp refi boom hit uh, 2000 and I don't know if it was 10 or 11, mm-hmm. I had... 250 clients, I had no idea how to get a hold of them, what their interest rate was. Because I, I didn't I didn't maintain a database. Really? What did you have, like, written on, like, flashcards or something? Jokingly, but. No. Like, I closed your loan, I got paid, and life went on. Oh, and you just left, and that was it? Yeah, li- <laughs> and, and life went on. Like, oh my God. you know, like, hey, here's my card. Call me if you need me. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Tell your friends about me. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I didn't do a whole lot to really stay in front of them. Or I worked so hard. Now, with the lead gen, with the lead follow-up, mm-hmm. I had a spiral notepad. Okay. I did I did at least have a spiral notepad, and I did a half-assy good job of, of following up. Okay. Yeah. But, be- I mean, just off off the cuff, like, coming to the loan business, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's everything that we coach and teach. Do the 12-week challenge. I mean, that's a yeah. um, become an advisor. Learn as much as you can about personal finance. Mm-hmm. Like in general, just general, become a good practitioner of budgeting, of saving for retirement. Like that's yeah. uh, that's some practical knowledge that, that would come into play if you're going into loan origination. Yeah. Uh, make it about the people, not about the paycheck. Make it about the people, the paycheck will come. Right. Like those are, those are, that's not one thing. That's like five right, different right, right. things. Um, give it time. But I knew that coming into it. Like I had the one good thing my hiring manager left me was... Give it two years. I let, nah, that's it. it. Yeah, I say that incessantly. That's what you said to everybody. Give it two years. Give it two years. It's look at us for the podcast. Yeah. When we hit our two year mark in February of next year. Yeah. God. We'll be so. Yeah. <laughs> look how much further we're we're gonna be ahead, and right. just in general. Right. But it took two years, and I'm gonna feel like come February. We're just getting started. I know, right? Like come February of next year, we're just getting started. Yeah. We're just finding our footing, to be honest. Yes. With you. Yeah. Yes. Same thing goes for my friends that I coach in the real estate development, real estate investment world. Their two-year mark is also February of next year. Mm-hmm. I just had a coaching session with them this morning. It's going to take two years. <laughs> I mean, I talked to my, my cousin Jimmy up in Chicago, who's a top producer for Jones Lang LaSalle. Like, I talked to him about his income or lack thereof, his first two years as a commercial realtor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two years. I mean, yeah. two years. It just does. It takes it takes two years. Okay. Um, so that's some sage advice that was given to me that I still preach 16 years later. Okay. And I think that's that's all things. That truly is just about all things. And if if you hit success early, it's sometimes a detriment. Think about that one. If you hit success early, it's sometimes a detriment because it came too easy. You didn't have to work, and now you're expected to always be this easy. And then when it does become hard, you won't know how to operate. You, you won't know how to react. Throw a damn temper tantrum. That's yeah. what happens. How about some bonus content? Okay. We'll call them DO-isms. Okay. And they're not really my-isms. Uh, these are things that I picked up along the way or they are shared with me that I still find funny. Mm-hmm. 
and they are stereotypes, yes. which I know I'm always very cautious and cognizant of. And you're always like, what, what are you talking about stereotypes? They're a stereotype for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why they're called stereotypes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, uh, for anyone tuned in that made it this far, like like John and I have become you know, good friends over the past, oh, going on two years, two years now. Yeah. Um, so we work together, but, but we're developing this friendship. So we have a lot of cool conversations outside of work or during working hours, but mm -hmm. like we preface, hey, this is friend talk. Right. And, um, you know, I'm probably more cognizant of, hey, I probably shouldn't say that. Oh, my wife gave me shit last night because I I, I, I made a funny, but she didn't think it was funny. And you're right. always like, no, nah, man, it's, it's a stereotype for a reason. reason. That's why I call right. a stereotype. So here are some stereotypes yes. for my real estate and my lender friends. Okay. All right. Let's go. And I need to thank, uh, there's a guest that's been on the show once at least before, Ben Davis. Ben was the who's who in my office when I started in this industry in 2004. No way. Yeah, Ben now runs um, Waterstone Mortgage's Winter Park branch, which mm -hmm. is the number one branch in the entire company. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, he was the who's who. He was a person of influence, although he wasn't a manager, right? right? So mm -hmm. he was a leader, whether he wanted to be or not. Mm -hmm. And so Ben is uh, credited for some of these, and some of these maybe I made up or I picked them up from someone else. Can't remember, who cares? Right. So the first one is this. Okay. If they drive a Hummer, like an H2 or H3, right. they can't prove their income. Okay. Ready? Yeah. True story on this one. Okay. A good buddy of mine that you know okay. used to drive an H2 or an H3. I think he had an H2. Okay, not cheap. And we were unable to qualify him for a home loan, not once but twice, until he went, met with his CPA, and amended his tax returns. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. That stereotype was drafted well before he ever bought his H2. Right, right, right. So right. if they drive a Hummer, Hummer, they can't prove their income. Okay. All right? That's a good one. If you hear self-employed. Run. No. Okay, I'm just kidding. But take a step back in a deep breath and slow your roll. Okay. Right? Slow your roll. You're not moving forward, realtors, with showing that person property, lenders, with drafting pre-approval letters until you've seen their tax returns. Just period, end of story. You hear someone self-employed, take a deep breath and a step back and slow down. Mm -hmm. If you hear the word condo, mm. deep breath, relax, take a step back, just understand there's going to be more to it. Everything from the client's going to freak out when you tell them there's a $600 a month condo association dues. What? They're going after condos because they saw the cheap sales price. Right. Not realizing that a $150,000 condo is going to warrant the same exact payment as a $265,000 single family home that's not in an HOA. Mind blown. Yeah, mind blown, right? So like you hear that word condo, you just take a step back. If you're looking to buy a condo, hey, let your lender know up front. It's going to be a little bit more difficult approval process. Mm -hmm. So that, that was always a, like a good rule of thumb, not quite a stereotype because those are truth. Right. The condo and self-employed is more yeah. truth, less stereotype. Right. I'll throw you a stereotype. Okay. Some people are going to be like, oh, shit, that's me. Okay. If your email, your voicemail, tags end with have a blessed day, your credit is garbage. <laughs> Okay. Don't know why that is. People are like, Dio, why is that? I, go, I don't know. It's, it's not always the, true. It's the way it is. It's not always true. Like, you know, one in 10, one in 10, actually the credit is is good. Right. But 
you know, maybe it's because people of faith, man, they just leave it all up to God, and sometimes God doesn't get a chance uh, to pay your bills for you. Correct. That you, yes, you know, right. and, and maybe they have no worries in the world, God right? Got because it. the faith, the faith in the Lord. Yeah. I don't know why, God ain't gonna but for whatever reason, if your email signature says, you know, have a blessed day, or your voicemail somewhere in it says, have a blessed day. I'm going to go straight to, man, I got to check their credit let me, ASAP. Let me just pull that right now. Get it out the way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I just need to take a look. Right. Yep. Uh, so, uh, and then the, the last one. Okay. And we get this more um, in Florida because we are a destination location, mm-hmm. right? Like people are fleeing California and they're going to Idaho mm-hmm. and Texas. Mm-hmm. People are fleeing Illinois and New York, and they're coming to Florida. Primarily New York, New Jersey coming to Florida. They've been doing this for 40 years now. Just go down to Boca Raton. Mm-hmm. You can't go down to Boca Raton, Florida. Fat Tony's Pizza, every yeah. corner. Yes, the, that Long Island uh, yeah, accent. I was like, somehow, what? Somehow I asked somebody, I'm like, oh, are you from New York? Like, no. I'm like, let me guess, Boca? Yeah, you no. Know. Yeah, yeah. So shout out to my boy, Shout Lee, out, Boca. Lee Coe. Lee Co is is a college friend of mine. I haven't talked to Lee in probably a decade. Right. He crushes it up in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. I believe he sells annuities for a living. Okay. Great dude. Like, just great. But he grew up in Boca Raton. Mm-hmm. And he has straight up the most thick Long Island, New yep. York accent. Yeah. Um, but no. So for, for my people in the Southeast, now this is going to apply to probably places like Charlotte, places like Atlanta, mm-hmm. places like Raleigh. Like basically the Carolinas, Georgia, Florida, the Southeast, people are flocking out of the the, the Northeast mm-hmm. to come down here. And um, they always want to buy a primary home and they don't have a job down here first. Mm. That darn thing. Yeah. So I've, I've just known when someone has said, yeah, I'm transferring down to Florida and I'm going to buy my first house. I have to ask them, well, do you have a job down here? Well, no. I won't get that until I buy my house. How do I know where I want to apply? Ooh. Yeah. So anytime I'm, I'm talking to someone who I know is relocating. Right. Oh, I'm relocating. That's it. I'm not, not transferring. I'm relocating. Okay. And they're coming from, from New York, New Jersey. Deep breath. The first thing I have to ask them. Do you have a job when you get down here? Yeah. And I'd say it a little nicer. And I'd say, hey, are you, is your employer transferring you down here? Mm-hmm. Have you already solidified a new job or do you work in a career that geographic location has no bearing, meaning you can work from home. Right. Mm. Now, this year, last year, you may have more people saying, oh, nope, same employer, I can work from home. Mm -hmm. But the previous 25 years, no, we had a lot of people from the Northeast wanting to move down here without a job. Mm -hmm. It's like you can't even rent an apartment if you can't prove your income. And no, I can't use your your income of whatever industry that you're in. Maybe you work at a factory over in Staten Island, mm-hmm. but are you going to be able to work that same factory job in Florida? Well, no. Yeah, Can go. you work that factory job from your house? No. Well, how am I supposed to find out until I buy my house yet, Dustin? Yeah, no. It's one of those things. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Here's what I'm going to tell you. Uh, in this case, it was the chicken. That's right. the job. <laughs> yep. Right. You need that J-O-B. Right. Yeah. So that's a little, like, ism. Okay. Yeah. This, uh, was, a fun, this was a fun episode, John Coleman. I'm glad this was more for you because you, you started off real pissy. Now you're like in a good mood. So I am in a good I mood. I know because you needed this. Well, I'm going to get real pissy when I see what time it is. I know. And I realize Don't I'm probably late, late to get my I daughter know. to dance. So, I'm not going to go to the gym now. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is all the time we have for today. If you are looking for Dustin Owen, you can find him. Just search for him on LinkedIn. He can be found 
uh, Dustin Owen. If you want to find me, don't because I'm not around. That's all the time we have for today. He's Dustin Owen. I'm John Coleman. We'll check you on the flip side. Peace. Peace.